Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Reuter, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Galatians. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Welcome to episode 18. We have reached the end of, well, I mean, we haven't right now reached the end of Galatians, but by the end of this episode, we will have reached the end of Galatians. So this is the end of Galatians, but not this, but the end of the episode, but you know what I mean. Uh, Flip or tap your way to Galatians 6. I'll read verses 11 to 18, and then we'll talk about them, and then we'll be done. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's talk about the conclusion to the book of Galatians. Today's passage begins with a statement that at least from here on out, Paul is handwriting the letter. Some believe that Paul wrote the whole thing, but that's a minority opinion and there isn't a lot of support for it, particularly because Paul takes time at this point to say that he's writing the letter. Uh, You will recall most of these letters were dictated to scribes, so Paul's been talking all this time and now he shifts to writing at the end. Verses 12 and 13 refer to the Jews and to their unwillingness to persecute the false teachers. How do we know? In verse 13, Paul talks about even those who are circumcised. That's the subject of these two verses. And what does Paul say? He says that they would force the Galatians to be circumcised, but not for any other reason than they want to take credit for the circumcision. So the Jews have some common ground with the false teachers. They both want circumcision. He describes them as wanting to make a good show in the flesh. And that's what circumcision boils down to. It's a ribbon to wear to show your allegiance to the people in power. You're a good person if you wear the ribbon. But the thing is, the people in power, whether it's the Jews or the false teachers, they don't care at all about your foreskin. They only care about the fact that you did what they want. See through that scheme, friends. The gospel leaves no room for ribbons to wear. Uh, This is a big deal. So the Jews and the Judaizers had common ground. They both wanted the same thing and for different reasons. And neither of their reasons were worth anything. Uh, It was all about the show. It was all about making the people do the thing just to make the people do the thing. There was no 
Uh, there was no higher good in play. There was no bigger picture to be seen. It was just a raw power play. The gospel leaves no room for that. F.F. Bruce says, quote, Whereas Paul was concerned about the Spirit's inward work in his converts so that Christ should be formed in them, see also chapter 4, verse 19, the Judaizers' concern was for an external mark, a mark produced in the flesh of those whom they could win over to their side, end quote. If you haven't figured out by now, the book of Galatians has been about we don't need law at all. We certainly don't need a ribbon to hang. Uh, if we wear the ribbon that says, look what I did, aren't I good? And if you haven't figured it out in 18 episodes yet, the gospel doesn't work that way. The gospel doesn't allow us to bring to the table what we did as if it was worth anything. Verses 14 and 15 leave us with an interesting proposition, rereading those, verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You want something to boast in? How about the cross of Christ? Why boast in what you do with your foreskin when you can boast in what Christ did on the cross? What has the gospel established that you and I have nothing? Let's try this again. What has the gospel established? You and I have nothing in which to boast at all. What good is the gospel if we have something to offer in the salvation transaction? No, Paul makes it clear that we have nothing to boast about at all, except for the thing we didn't do in the first place. As Paul writes at the end of 1 Corinthians, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is a key idea that ties so much of this epistle together. God does all of the work in our salvation, exactly so we have nothing to boast about. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says we are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Are you looking to boast? It might do you some good to remember the gospel message that saved you in the first place. I will again quote F.F. Bruce, quote, it is difficult, after 16 centuries and more, during which the cross has been a sacred symbol, to realize the unspeakable horror and loathing which the very mention or thought of the cross provoked in Paul's day. The word crux was unmentionable in polite Roman society. Even when one was being condemned to death by crucifixion, the sentence used an archaic formula which served as a sort of euphemism. But Paul, Roman citizen by birth and religious Jew by upbringing, not only dismisses as the merest refuse, scubala, see Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, those things in which he had once taken a proper pride, but embraces as the most worthwhile goal in life the knowledge of the crucified Christ and boasts in his cross, a shocking paradox indeed, end quote. The gospel gives us nothing to boast about, not once, not ever. 
The thing that we as Christians boast in is the finished work of Christ on the cross. We boast in how we didn't do anything. If your gospel leaves room for what you can do to impress God, you have a false gospel which is no gospel at all. Verse 16 is interesting, rereading there. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Verse 16 is interesting because Paul had such sharp words for the false teacher, false teachers throughout this letter. But verse 16 is tender toward those who follow the law of Christ. Paul wanted the false teachers to emasculate themselves, but he wants grace and peace for those who walk by faith and live by the Spirit. It's a blessing. Most of the letter has been, these people are wrong. They should go pound sand. They should take a hike. There's a short pier, take a long walk. That's most of the epistle. But as we come to the end of it, and he's talking about those people who walk by faith and live by the Spirit, it's a tender tone. Uh, And that's a good thing. Verse 17 is a plea not to let the controversy go any further. Why? Because Paul already bears the scars of persecution. His plea is basically, hey, I suffered actual real persecution for the sake of the gospel, and my body bears those scars, and you're really going to let these false teachers take your eyes off the gospel and woo you with some trash false gospel? Really? That's your plan? Again, he is reminding them of the truth of the gospel and encouraging them to reject false messages. He is hopeful at this point, that having lain down a solid theology and having connected it in application, he is confident that his people will not let this controversy go any further. And to cement the point, he's willing to point to his scars because he really did actually suffer persecution. The book of Acts records that he was beaten unto death um, uh, more than once, uh, shipwrecked, left to die. Like, he suffered actual real persecution. He's kind of hoping that the Galatians aren't going to go for the false gospel thing. And this is an appropriate ending to the epistle. At the beginning of the letter, Paul came in hot. He was fired up and with good reason. And then as the letter progresses, he moves toward practicalities. That's appropriate. And he ends on a loving note. The Galatians, he must have figured, would listen to his words and realize where they were wrong and and course correct. Correction works like that. We often go into a situation where correction is necessary and we come in hot. We are fired up for the truth. We are fired up against what we believe are the forces of darkness at work in our age. And then we realize, hey, if we lay down a good foundation for someone who is following Jesus, for someone who's listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does his correcting work, and then we can turn tender and say, you know, hey, I was really hot before because, but 
hey, I'm recognizing we're okay. Just listen to where Holy Spirit is leading. That's how correction works. That's how I'd want it to work for us in this day and age. And it's a fitting way to end the epistle. Thanks for joining us for 18 episodes of Galatians. Uh, Who knows what comes next? You'll have to find out when next we gather. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.